As the British economy flounders in the wake of last year's Brexit vote, it seems old habits die hard. Or do they? During the last recession, property transactions stagnated, but home improvement trends accelerated. This time around, is the same pattern emerging? Well, here to help me discuss this is SafeStyle, window and door specialist, and a couple of members of their management team have dropped by. Chief Executive Steve Birmingham is with us. He's been with the company for close to 20 years, and Mike Robinson, CFO, is also here. Thank you both for joining me. You're welcome. So, Steve, perhaps before we get stuck into some of the harder questions around that sort of little intro that I've led us in with, perhaps you could sum up for the listeners a brief history of the company and what the main aims are for sort of the near-term future. Okay. Uh, Business has been in existence over 20 years now, and we specialise in the homeowner market where we supply replacement windows and doors predominantly. Um, We have introduced conservatory upgrades very recently, but our core business is replacement windows and doors in PVC, double glazed, to the homeowner market. We've expanded from a, a base in Yorkshire and we're now a national a national company. Okay, let's dig into the numbers a bit, I suppose. Last year was a good one for SafeStyle, uh, suffice to say. Underlying profits up 14% after another year of good top-line growth and, and market share gains as well. But I was sort of reading the analyst coverage um, this morning to refresh my, my memory, and they, they are pointing out that the backdrop is getting more challenging for companies such as yours. We've seen some pretty poor figures actually coming out from a number of improvement retailers like Topstyles and CarpetRight. Um, and both of those companies actually have complained of this squeeze on consumer spending, inadequate wage growth, political uncertainty. Are these factors that you're also mindful of this year? Absolutely, yes. I mean, we, we, we're exposed to exactly the same pressures as all the other retailers and certainly in our RMI sector, exactly that. I mean, how tied is a business like yours to the property market, the residential property market and sort of those yeah. metrics? Yeah, they're our core customers. So everybody we supply replacement windows and doors to. Um, actually owns their own property. So we're, we're tied absolutely to, to that market. Do you find that there is a trend between people who perhaps were prior to the referendum looking at potentially putting their property on the market and maybe that decision's been curtailed for now, actually thinking, okay, well, if we can't move and we can't upgrade property, you know, we can't move up the ladder altogether, perhaps it's worth us doing a few bits and bobs around here to sort of make ourselves feel as though we're sort of being proactive and and possibly improving our property ready for when we're actually able to sell. I think that's true. I mean, when people, there's a little bit of a cliche, don't move, improve. And I think that does come into into being, but there's nearly always a lag. So the property market slows and it doesn't immediately pick up with improvements. There is that lag of people just trying to work out quite how long, quite how severe the, the, the you know, quite how um, much pressure they may feel under or how much squeeze they feel. And, and there is a lag before they then make that decision. And uh, I think one of the challenges for us is to, to kind of find the key to unlock that demand and bring it forward if we can. And what do you think those keys will possibly include then? Well, certainly from our point of view, historically, when we have used consumer finance and and made promotional finance very attractive to customers, that has brought forward demand. And I think that's one of the weapons that we will be considering going forward. That's a really interesting point, actually. I did a podcast not too long ago on the credit cycle, which I think is in a way sort of retails undiscussed threat um, a lot. Uh, There's suddenly a lot in the papers actually about motor finance and about the precarious cliff edge that that might be on and perhaps the scale won't be as dramatic as what we saw with um, mortgage-backed securities around 2008 but people are still concerned given that you yourself offer consumer finance packages. I mean how do you treat that going forward? 
Um, well, obviously the risk doesn't reside with us and we, and we rely upon the lenders to, to, to be responsible. Hopefully we, we're dealing with responsible lenders who will look at that and make sure that it's affordable. Um, obviously these loans are unsecured and they tend to be of a few thousand pounds, so they're not massive amounts. They're certainly far less than you, 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 you'd be loaning for a car, for example, and the monthly repayments are much more manageable. So I'm not as, as concerned perhaps as I would be if I was in other sectors, but um, I, I, you know, our experience has been that it has been um, a very useful tool and I think it will be a useful tool for us going forward. I mean, Mike, in terms of crunching the numbers, as I mentioned a bit earlier, we've seen some poor numbers coming out of not your direct competitors. Obviously, we're not talking about same products, but we are talking about the same improvement market. Mm. What do you think it is that's keeping the safe style numbers on the up and up compared to some of these other peers in your sector? Well, clearly, numbers are dependent on sales growth. And, and that's where we've been particularly good in, in continuing to grow our sales in, in what has been a flat market. And uh, you know, obviously, we've got to generate the margin, and we've been very disciplined on on managing our costs. But ultimately, it's it's growing that top line, and uh, you know, we we believe at, at SafeStyle we've got the consumer offer uh, that will continue to allow us to take market share even in flat markets. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting there that you mentioned the cost base. I was reading um, a little bit about your margin expectations for this year from the broker, and uh, I think margins are obviously a big topic in retail this year, not just because of the whole consumer backdrop, but obviously because of where sterling has has landed since the vote and relative to people's input costs, um, depending where they source their material, that, that can be a big problem. How has weaker sterling affected your business? It's interesting because the, the broker actually says that the gross margin is expected to to, to rise this year by around 50 basis points. But that might be sort of a, a structural impact of just where you book that cost, obviously, going down the P&L. Yeah, we don't buy in foreign currency, but our suppliers uh, do. And therefore, we have arrangements uh, with our suppliers that pass on any impact or major impact in currency. So we are coming under pressure um, on, on, a, uh, on quite a few of our materials. We believe that we've still got scope to increase our prices and uh, you know we put a price increase in at the beginning of this year uh, and that appears to be sticking so you know we are we are confident that the uh, the margin will not come under undue pressure Mm, that's a really interesting point. Pricing obviously being one of the main ways several sort of mainstream retailers, and I'm talking across the sector now, have been able to mitigate this this margin pressure this year. What is it that you think is sort of integral to navigating those price rises? We've seen it with clothing retailers, for example, who have not managed to pull it off in the same way. So what is it, do you think, about getting that pricing right that, that matters in the long term? I think it's all about the overall offer to the consumer. And, uh, you know, I think it's the complete package. It's the product. It's, you know, having that initial, you know, being the lowest cost provider is is absolutely critical. It it allows you to be price competitive and pass on any increases because our whole industry is suffering these increases. So being the lowest cost provider is absolutely critical. Mm, I mean, to what extent do you think we'll actually sort of end up eventually in another price war, which was a result for a lot of sort of retailers and consumer facing companies during the last recession. It was all about sort of, um, we didn't have the currency environment that we have right now, but it, it ultimately became um, a battle to, to the floor. And that was detrimental for a lot of companies. Mm. I, I don't think that will happen in, in our industry. I think uh, uh, we still think we're selling uh, price competitive products. Uh, we think probably the worst of the cost impl- implications is, is passed. And hopefully, you know, 
know, if, as long as sterling doesn't significantly weaken from its current level, then I think we're through the worst of it. Of course, we've sort of annualised that basis now, having gone through June. But there's actually more, I suppose, in your second half to get um, excited about as well, and particularly to do with your manufacturing capabilities, which I was reading about this morning. Um, this has been a big project for SafeStar, hasn't it? It is, yeah. We, we had a, an issue where we had a critical piece of equipment. Our, our tough, glass toughening plant uh, needed to be replaced and we didn't have any kind of spare room in which to put that. So we decided to build quite a large extension to house that and to make some investment in some other equipment. We started that at the back end of last year. Um, we just about finished it at the end of June. So we're all moved in. We're all on one site now. And we're now just kind of trying to drive the benefits from that move through to the business, which we hope to see in the second half the year. Yeah, I mean, SafeStyle is a fairly cash-rich business. You ended up the last period with net cash on the balance sheet. So that's that's a good position to be in, I appreciate. But what, what sort of drives a strategic decision to invest at a time where the consumer backdrop is uncertain, for want of a better word? Well, what, one of the reasons was that the fact that we toughen glass in-house allows us to make quite a large saving on, on the cost of our toughened glass and about 40% of all our glass has to be toughened for regulatory reasons but on top of that we would have had a horrendous logistical problem to solve if we hadn't replaced a toughener and didn't have that capability we'd have to bring in a lot of product from a number of suppliers and keeping our production lean and just in time and coordinated it was kind of critical for us to, to invest and um, we've had a record of, of being able to grow the business we think we still can even in in tight markets and we will you know we need the capacity and we future proof the business so that when we do get growth uh, we'll be able to produce it um, very cost effectively in our new facility yeah i mean there's um there's an interesting trend i think amongst retailers um particularly those who have not been public for that long to sort of try and drive these vertically integrated models um as opposed to someone like fevertree for example who pretty much outsources everything they do and still manages to do well of course but um i'm thinking of people like hotel chocolat obviously a market newcomer last year what are the benefits do you see of being vertically integrated as opposed to sort of drawing on other specialists to kind of help you out well, obviously, controlling the quality of everything we produce is critical to us. So we, we, we want to make sure that the customer is getting a very good quality product. And because we take control of most of the manufacturing process, that ensures that we can do that. Also, we don't hold uh, large amounts of finished goods. Everything that we do is made very quickly once we've got confirmation of an installation date with our customers. So the, the ability to be able to carry low levels of raw material stocks and push them through the factory for specific orders allows us to have a very low working capital and we don't have to carry as I say finished goods like a lot of retailers everything's made to order and that manufacturing capability is critical to that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really interesting business. And I should point out that the IC last, uh, I think it was last year, yeah, tipped these these shares and the, and the share price has done very well since then. Of course, a knock-on effect of that is that the valuation starts to look a bit fuller um, compared to where it was a year ago. So from your point of view, how are you sort of approaching both institutions and retail investors in terms of why they should continue to support the shares? I think you've got to take, I mean, we've got Obviously, there's going to be some short-term turbulence, but you've got to take a longer-term view. And we look at the, the market that we're supplying into. Um, property is very old. It's probably averaging, I think, around about 60 years old for, for property in the UK. There has been a lot of underinvestment in RMI over many years. 
And if you look at the replacement cycle for our product, it has been extending, uh, certainly started to extend during the credit crunch and, and has continued to extend from that period on. So there is underlying some pent up demand. So I think you've got to take a, a, a longer term view and say that demand will come out. It has to come out at some point. And when it does, we'll be in a position to take advantage of that. OK, so maybe we can just wrap up then on sort of what you're looking forward to, perhaps over the next 12 to 18 months in terms of the business developing. Um, We'll sort of leave, I suppose, backdrop aside. We've discussed that fairly thoroughly. And I I think there's a lot when the political environment is this uncertain. A lot of retailers who are at least doing well are sort of saying, well, you've just got to put your head down and and carry on, really. It's business as usual until it's not. But in terms of sort of taking a more proactive approach than that, I mean, what do you think the business can drive over the next year or two? We can always look at opportunities. I mean, we we haven't made any acquisitions yet. That's a potential for us if we could find the right the right opportunity i'm not saying that that there is one available at the moment or anything like that but that that is always a possibility but also we've looked at slightly extending our product range and our product offer not just in windows and doors and our our ranges of windows and doors but potentially conservatory upgrades and, and maybe looking to extend that even further so i think there's opportunity there and we haven't completed our geographic expansion there is still the opportunity to grow geographically and infill some of the areas where we're not as well represented as we are in other parts of the country so there are there are still opportunities we'd have to tread carefully we don't want to do anything too rash in the current environment but there are plenty of opportunities for us going forward yeah and like i say i mean the balance sheet is still in good health and rates are still low and and things like that you know the conditions in a, in a broad sense are sort of fairly beneficial aren't they i think it all comes down to consumer confidence ultimately i mean if consumer confidence picks up significantly a lot of the drivers low unemployment, low interest rates. It would be helpful, a bit of property price inflation. It all may, always make, makes people feel a little bit more comfortable about investing in, the, in their homes. That would be helpful. And a little bit more certainty around the, the economic outlook would all help. But I think longer term wise, those fundamentals are, still exist. And uh, as I say, we'll be ready to take advantage of them when they arise. Yeah, I think the other sort of major trend as well, speaking to a lot of retailers, is the change both in consumer taste and also in the way they expect to be uh, sort of receiving these services, whether that's sort of online or um, just sort of more convenient, as you say, low cost. Um, What do you think are the main sort of things you think about when you think about your customer offer? I think it's a complete package. We're in a a situation where we're advising customers about design, about options. Obviously, there are certain things regulatory-wise with building regulations that we have to comply with, but we can offer them a range of options so that they can have a custom-designed product that's unique to them, that fulfills uh, every need. So the whole process is one where they absolutely get something that they have had an input into the design and it's something that they then can take a lot of pride in when when, when it's installed and, and will enhance the look and the perform energy performance of their property. Yeah, you're sort of talking about this tailor-to-me approach, aren't you? I think this is a major trend in retail. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you both, Mike and Steve, for joining me today. That was a really interesting introduction to the company and our readers can go online to find out more. Join us again for the next episode of Boardroom Talk. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.